0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church PCA in Carville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, missioncarrierville.org. So we've only lived here a short amount of time, but one of the things that I've come to believe is that Memphis is the barbecue capital of the world. I think that is a true statement. Now, what I'm about to say next, you're probably going to have to forgive me. Even though Memphis is the barbecue capital of the world, my favorite place is Dreamland Barbecue, the original location in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That is my favorite place. That is my go-to place. So a few years ago, I took some men from my previous church, and we went to Tuscaloosa, and it was a game day weekend, and we drove straight from Jackson to Dreamland. And unbeknownst to each other, we had fasted. Everyone in the group had not eaten lunch, and several had not eaten breakfast in anticipation of this glorious event where we would just dive into these ribs and this barbecue sauce. And so we get there, and it's late, and we're starving and it's crowded because there's a game the next day, and we have to wait because they don't have a lot of tables for a big group. And so we wait, and we wait, and you could hear our stomachs just making all kinds of unusual and strange noises. And finally, the, the, host, the hostess comes out, and she brings us a basket of white bread and barbecue sauce. And one of the guys in the group reaches over, grabs the bread, dips it in the barbecue sauce, and just crams it into his mouth. Sauce going everywhere. And he says, looking at the hostess, Hallelujah! And she turns around laughing, and she says to him, Just wait. Wait till you get inside. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. So our text this morning is Mark chapter 2. And Mark is writing to his audience and he's talking about these accusations that the Pharisees are making against Jesus. And one of the things that we're going to see, one of the things that's going to unfold is that because Jesus is Lord and because Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, as God's people, the best is yet to come to come. Let's pray. Father, this is your word and it never fails. And so, Father, we pray that it would go forth by the work of the Holy Spirit and that it would encourage our souls, strengthen our hearts, and help us to see Jesus more fully. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So, there's three things we're going to look at today. The first is eternal rest. Secondly, is unending worship. And third, is the ultimate feast. So, let's begin with the firstborn. <laughs> talking about eternal rest we're actually going to move forward in our text we're going to look at the second accusation if you will remember from last week in the beginning of mark chapter 2 i told you that there were you were going to see over the next couple of weeks five accusations made against jesus now these are not chronological these are topical mark is trying to prove a point in defining who Jesus is for his audience by putting these accusations in a row. And so when we come to verses 23 through 28 in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is accosted by the Pharisees and they accuse him of breaking the law because he has allowed his disciples, they're giving him some measure of respect as a teacher, and they're saying, you've let your disciples go out of control they have broken the law they have eaten the grains on the sabbath now remember from last week the pharisees they they were very conservative and they understood the significance of the word of the lord and they wanted to protect it so in protecting it they created all of these additional rules and Jesus is constantly dealing with them and talking to them and He's trying to help them understand that you have gone beyond what God intended in His Word. So they had lots of rules that they had established regarding even the Sabbath. One of those rules discussed exactly how far they could walk on the Sabbath. So they've come to Jesus and they believe that the disciples have gone astray. What kind of teacher are you? What kind of religious leader are you? We we observe the Sabbath. What's happening here? And Jesus has such an unbelievable response. Jesus cuts right to the point. Jesus understands the Word of God because He is the Word that has come in the flesh. And he challenges the Pharisees and he says, he, he takes them back to the Old Testament to King David and he reminds them that David and his compatriots ate the bread of the presence in the house of the Lord and God permitted it because they were hungry and they were in need. And then Jesus says to them, the Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing to man, not a burden. And I, this is very important, and the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus is establishing before the Pharisees the reality of who He is as the Son of Man and the Son of God. That I am over this day. As the Creator of all things, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord over every single thing. Nothing is outside of my authority. Nothing is outside of my control. He's telling the Pharisees that a greater King David is in their presence. And that God wants to bless us through the Sabbath. Now, let's fast forward. We understand from the the latter part of the New Testament that the Sabbath is the Lord's Day. That the early Christian church recognized that the Sabbath was no longer Friday evening till Saturday evening. That the new Sabbath, the Lord's Day began on the first day of the week. It commemorates the day in which Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. The day where everything changed. That this is now the Lord's day. And God has given us this day as a blessing to us. It's a wonderful day. It is a day of rest. God rested after He created all things. The Lord is telling us, Jesus is telling us as Lord of the Sabbath, you need this day because the world has fallen and the world is broken and we live in a sinful world and we feel the effects of that sin. It pushes and it pulls and it grinds us down. And Jesus is saying, I've created this day for you. This day where you can stop and you can take a deep breath and you can recover because it's, life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. And it's important for us to understand that the Lord of the Sabbath took on flesh and He walked among us and so He understands the travails that we face as human beings. And so He's good to us. He's kind to us. And He gives us this day to rest. To rest in Him. It's also important to understand that this day... For believers, the Lord's Day marks us as different from the world. That we're different because we stop. We stop pursuing things for ourselves. Monday through Saturday is about us. It's the daily life. It's the grind, if you will, that I mentioned earlier. Providing for your family. Doing life. Living under the blanket, the heavy, heavy blanket of sin. But then on the Lord's day, we step back from the world and we rest. And we say, it's not about me. It's about the Lord. And that should look different. That's part of what the Lord's day is for God's people. A marked difference. But here's the bigger point. Why has God blessed us with this day of rest? Here's the reason. Not only is it an opportunity to worship, not only is it an opportunity to, to relax, to cease from our labors, but it's also pointing to a day that's coming. That God is giving us a taste of what glory is going to be like. That there's coming a day, there's coming a time when all of this is going to be done away with. When Jesus is going to recreate all things to Himself. And so the difficulties and the pain and the thorns will be gone. And so that when we go to bed on Saturday night and when we wake up on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, and we go about this day of worship and we go about this day of rest, what should be happening in our souls is we should be looking forward to the day when this will be permanent and it will be better. So much better. that there's coming a time when everything is going to be made right and we will rest in Christ. We will enter into His presence and we will rest forever with Him. And that's beautiful. And that's encouraging. I need that. Because life is is so strenuous. And I will tell you, when I wake up on this day and I get up really early to get ready for this service, there's something in my heart that tells me that today is different. It's not like Monday through Saturday. And that when we come into this place and I gather together with you, and I know that it's not perfect. And I know that we are sinful people. But I get a, just a tiny understanding of glory. That I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever with my family. And that is incredible. And today is a reminder that that is going to happen in full. So I need this day of rest. I need the Lord's day. The second thing, or the second point is unending worship. So i said that it's a day of rest. I mentioned that it is a day of worship. As human creatures, we were made to worship, and we're going to worship something. We are going to look to something to worship. Here's an example. I mentioned Tuscaloosa. So Alabama Stadium is the 10th largest stadium in the world. Think about this. Four of the 10 largest stadiums in the world are in the SEC. Now, you don't think there's a correlation between that and worship? We, we worship our sports teams. We, we worship our rock stars. We worship ourselves. We worship our children. We worship all the wrong things. We don't worship the one who has been raised from the dead who rules over all things. As human beings. As depraved human beings. And so this day comes along and it says stop stop worshiping all of those other things and worship king Jesus i need this day i need this hard break because monday through saturday monday through saturday more often than not i'm worshiping myself and i'm pursuing the things of my own heart and i need a day to come along where the brakes are put on the car comes to a stop. The chaos slows down and I can reorient my heart to Jesus Christ. I need this day of worship where I come to this place and I bow my head to my God and my Savior and I ask Him to realign me with His will and His purposes. Here's what's going on in this day. I was at Panera not too long ago in Germantown and this guy Parked, there was was nobody on the entire row, and he parked crooked. And so every car after him that parked, parked what? Crooked. And then, as I'm finishing up my coffee, he leaves. And now another car comes in and parks correctly. Then you start seeing the cars leave that were parked incorrectly, and now the cars can be rowed, lined up perfectly in a row. And that's what the Lord's Day is for me. I'm all out of line. The cars are parked imperfectly, and I need to be put back in the right place and everything lined up correctly. And so God has given us this day. This is a blessing to His covenant people. It's a blessing that comes to us through Christ where God says, come and be together. Strengthen each other. Love each other. Forgive each other. Hear the Word of God. Come to the table. Open up your hearts in song. Come and be readjusted. Submit yourself to me. So the Lord's day is an unbelievable day of worship. I want you to hear Psalm one hundred one through5. "This is the day of worship. And what are we called to do on this day? Listen to this. This is a great exclamation. It's, it's, it's a great definition. If you want to turn in your Bibles, it's Psalm one hundred one through 5 Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. We come to this place to worship God, to make a joyful noise, because we understand all that He has done for us. And also, let this be an encouragement to all of you like me who can't sing. It doesn't say make perfect harmony. It says make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord with gladness that this is an opportunity as we enter into His presence to worship Him for us to serve Him. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. We come into His presence and we sing from the very depths of our heart because we have an understanding of who He is as God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are not forgotten. We have not been left behind. We are not hopeless. We are His. We are His children. He delights over us. Through Christ, He is bringing us into His family. And the sheep of His pasture, that provokes imagery of a shepherd who lovingly and tenderly cares for those that He is in charge of. We enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. His courts where His Word is pronounced. There's some legal imagery there where the Word of God is pronounced which is a blessing to us. The Word of God which gives us guidance. It is the the only hope that we have in this life. We look to the Word and the author of the Word, Jesus Christ, We give thanks to Him. We bless His name. Why do we bless His name? For the Lord is good. Yes, He is good. He has decided, He is determined to save people that that wanted nothing to do with Him. He has decided to redeem and rescue lost people. He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. It's never going away. It is never, ever going away. We think that when we sin, that, some, that we have sent God packing. There's no way He can love us. He is angry with us. But that is not true of our God because His love is steadfast. And He is faithful to all generations. That, that He loves us generationally. That the promise of the covenant belongs to me and to my children and to their children. God is a promise-keeping God. You think through all of that and it creates in your heart a desire, at least it does for me, a desire to worship Him. Isn't it great that we have a day of worship? Hear this quote from Paul David Tripp. This is excellent. Worship is designed to remind you again and again of the right here, right now, presence, promises of, and power of your Redeemer. That we worship a God who is here in the now, who's present to encourage us, strengthen us, help us, love us, accept us, forgive us, guide us. Right here, right now. That He is in this place in a way in which we cannot fully understand. But there's a bigger point. There's a bigger point to this also. That when we gather together on the Lord's Day for worship, we are getting a taste not only of the rest that is to come forever, but we are getting a taste of the worship that will take place forever. That what we are doing right now is what we will do for all eternity. God's people gathered in the presence of Christ, encouraging one another, loving one one another, living in peace with each other, worshiping our risen Savior. So we are in some sense practicing what we will do for all eternity. And let me tell you, that's an encouragement to me. Because when I come in this place each Lord's Day and I spend time with you and we worship, I feel it peace. And then in about 10 minutes after I leave, the peace dissipates because the world starts intruding. And the world is challenging. The world is is not helpful. The world is mean. And so I'm encouraged when I'm here and when we worship because I know I'm getting a tiny glimpse of what is to come. That I'm just tasting the white bread with a little bit of barbecue sauce on it. And that I am going to be ushered in to the house of the Lord and it's going to be glorious and majestic and beautiful and perfect and awesome and peaceful and we will worship together forever. And so the Lord's Day, I get rest and I receive worship and I'm also looking forward for the ultimate rest and the ultimate worship. Third thing is the ultimate feast. So I want us to step back from the latter part of our text and look at the first part, which is 18 through 22. This is when Jesus is accosted by the Pharisees and they question him about fasting. Why do your disciples not fast? We fast. We fast actually more than the Word of God actually says that you have to. That's how holy we are. And then they say something that's very ironic in light of their opposition. They say, even John's disciples fast. You know, they're pulling out all the guns on this one. You know, we fast. We fast more than we need to. John's disciples fast. Why do you not fast? Why do do your disciples not fast? Why, in our opinion, why are you breaking the word of God? Why are you not obeying the law of God? So October twenty 1995, I'm in college at Sanford. That is the day that the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Now, I'm, I'm not a baseball fan. I have to constantly go to read and ask questions about what's going on in Major League Baseball. But I do remember that day because the celebration that broke forth was incredible. Alabama is a brave state. Sanford recruits a lot of kids from Georgia. So there were so many of my friends who were die-hard Atlanta Braves fan, And I remember when the World Series was over, everybody went to the area where the fountain is located near the student center, and they're just celebrating, and it's incredible. The Braves have won the World Series. And I'm out there observing and watching and getting a kick out of all of it. Imagine in the midst of all that that I had gotten everybody's attention and just said, stop and said, we're, we're not gonna talk about the Atlanta Braves who just won the World Series. Why don't we have a discussion, a very helpful, very enlightening conversation about the 1990 Atlanta Braves who lost 97 games. Let's just stop and let's reflect on the, that Atlanta Braves team and how horrible they were. What do you think would have happened? Yeah, they would have thrown me in the fountain. That, that's, exa- I know for a fact. It happened quite often, I would have been thrown in the fountain. Because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem right. It's not fitting. And so in responding to the Pharisees, Jesus says to them, would you, would you fast at a wedding where the groom is present? Do you not know who I am, in other words? Do you not realize that I am the Son of God? That I am his beloved son, that I am the long awaited and anticipated Messiah of Israel, I'm the Redeemer. Why in the world would my disciples fast when I'm here right now? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. And so, Mark is trying to help his audience through these accusations, understand exactly who Jesus is. He is the Lord of all things. He is the head of the banquet table. He is King. He is King Jesus. And so when King Jesus is in our presence, we celebrate, we feast. That's who Jesus is. And see, here's the beautiful thing about not only the Lord's Day, but the the Lord's table. This is the King's table right here. And He's calling us to this table and He's telling us to come and to celebrate. To come and partake of the wine and to partake of the bread and remember what His body and His blood has accomplished for us. That this is an opportunity for the people of God to feast in the presence of the groom. And so when we come to this table, when this table is set before us, not only are we strengthened, not only is it a means of grace, but it's a foretaste of that which is to come. So that when we come to this table as God's people, We are anticipating the day when we will come to the banquet table of Jesus Christ. And we will dine with Him. We will break bread with Him. We gather around our King as His family and everything will be made right. And so God gives us this table to strengthen us in the right here, right now, borrowing from the quote that I mentioned earlier, but He also gives us this table because He's encouraging our souls to look down the road and to embrace the future and to know that this is what God is doing for us. He's bringing us home. He's bringing us to the table. Isn't that incredible to think about? So my family's not perfect. I will tell you that. We are... Sinful, broken people. But we love to get together. This is my family and my extended family. We love to come together at the table and break bread. And we will sit there for a long, long time telling stories and laughing and remembering and sometimes laughing so hard we cry. And in the midst of those times, usually around the holidays, when that's taking place, there's a moment in which it just feels like there's nothing wrong in the world. That that is what it means to come to the table. But it does go away. It does go away because we live in a fallen world. And so the table that has been set before you this morning is... To strengthen our souls on the Lord's day and it's to tell us and remind us and show us that one day we will recline at the table with Jesus and everything will be right and everything will be perfect and we will laugh and we will tell stories and we will glory in His presence and our souls will be at peace forever. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank You that we can approach this table. Father, we thank You that we can hear from Your Word. We thank You that our Savior has given His life for us. That He is Lord of the Sabbath, and that He is Lord over this church, and that He is Lord over our souls. And so, Father, we worship You and we honor You and we glorify You because of all that You have done for us in Jesus. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.